Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? What is the ultimate purpose, reason, goal, why we were created. Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism gives us the answer. It's this, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Man's chief end, goal, purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were created by God to bring him glory and honor. We were created by God to worship him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 12 says this. There's many verses, but this is just one. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Why? so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might what? Might be to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. We were created to worship God, to glorify God and God alone. There is no other. However, that's not always the case, right? In the life of a believer, That's not always the case. Many times, even in in our lives as believers, we tend to remove God from his rightful place upon the throne of our hearts. And we replace him with something or someone else, in essence, committing idolatry. Idolatry is this. It's, it's, It's placing something or someone in the place of God. Idolatry is the thing or person loved more than God, wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, and enjoyed more than God. That is idolatry. And a lot of the times, many times, it's not, we we don't replace God with sinful things or bad things a lot of the time. A lot of the times we actually replace God with the good things that he's given to us. For example, our spouse. We may love, care for our spouse more than God. Our kids, right? We may cherish our kids, love our kids more than God himself. Kind of like kid worship or child worship. Now, I'm a dad of a beautiful, beautiful baby girl who's about to turn one years old in about three weeks, she's gonna be one, and I love her to death. I love her, I adore her, but I don't worship her. She is not worthy of my worship. God is worthy of my worship, and as a father, the best gift that I can give is my love and adoration and worship to God because that will trickle upon her own life. 
Maybe it's your parents or friends that have taken the place of God and removed God from the throne of our hearts and replaced, again, our spouse, our kids, our parents, our friends. I mean, those are good things. But sometimes we take the good things and make them the greater thing when God alone is the greatest thing to be worshipped. But I think the thing that sits at the center of our hearts most of the time is not just people, but the love of self, the love of me, my agenda, my desires, what I want, my comfort. And so it's not just people then that we replace God with, it's money. We desire money or material possessions more than God himself. Our jobs, our careers, our reputation, the approval of people takes place or importance above God. Comfort, we live in an age where, man, comfort is God. I just want to be comfortable. If I'm comfortable, I'm okay. If I have enough money in the bank, I'm okay. If I'm healthy, I'm okay. And comfort becomes God. It was John Calvin, the great Protestant reformer, that says, the human heart is an idol factory. We produce idols just like a factory, don't we? We constantly have this battle in our heart for the throne that lies in our hearts, where we, we desire to put God there, but something else is always fighting for that place in our, in our hearts. Like I said, it's not always bad things. Sometimes it's the good things in life. And so my goal this morning, church, is very simple. It's just a simple goal. It's to reorient our hearts to the soul worship of God in our lives by answering this question. Why should we worship God? Why should we worship God? Why is God so worthy of our worship? Why is God alone worthy of our worship? Why should God alone reign supreme in our heart and in our soul? That is the question I want to answer this morning. So Jude 24 and 25 as you are getting there, uh, let me just kind of give us a brief um, overview of where, where we've been and kind of where we're headed as well. Week one, we talked about contending for the faith, that Jude was saying, hey, you have to fight for the faith, fight for sound doctrine. Why? Because there's false teachers always creeping into the church. That was week two. He gave us the destiny and the description of false teachers. And last week, uh, Jude taught us how to contend for the faith. He didn't just say, hey, go fight, start swinging for the fences, good luck, and fight the world and contend for the faith. No, he gave us some practical tools on how to contend for the faith. And again, today, he ends in praise. He ends in a doxology. Now, I don't know what version of the Bible you have, but uh, I have the ESV version. And, you know, a lot of times Bibles have those headings, right? They have kind of headings to help us kind of break up passages. But in my heading, it says doxology. A doxology is essentially just a proclamation of praise 
to God. It's a declaration of praise. It is worship. Jude breaks out in praise and worship to God. So let's read that this morning. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, we love you and we love your word. Your word is infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient for our lives. It is clear. It is crystal clear. And so, God, this morning we pray that you would lead us and direct us through your word, guide us, encourage us. I pray that you would stir our affections for you this morning through this passage. God, we devote these next few minutes to just worshiping you with our heart and with our mind as we let the word fall on good soil. Let the word just dwell richly within us. God, speak to us powerfully in the power of your spirit, in the power of your word. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. All of God's people said, amen. So why is God worthy of our worship? Why should we worship God and God alone? Number one, there's two things. Number one, what God does. We are to worship God for what God does and what is, he's doing and what he will do for us. In other words, God's actions. Look at verse 24 with me this morning. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless, before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now, I just love how Jude begins this. Now to him. Now to him. I love the New Living Translation. It says this. Now all glory to God. I love that. I think that's the better sense there. All glory to God. I mean, Jude has been talking about fighting for the faith. He's been talking about false teachers and their destruction and how to fight for the faith. But now he's like, you know what? All of that is great, but now let's go vertical. Now let's begin to praise God because of everything that I've said. Now let's praise God. Let's give him glory. Why? Because God is able to keep you from stumbling, Jude says. I call this the preservation of the saints. The preservation of the saints. God preserves the people who are truly saved until the very end. The word to keep here is a military term, actually, meaning to guard or to watch over. And so God is like a, a military that guards and watches over the lives of believers and keeps them from falling away. He keeps them from stumbling into eternal damnation. God keeps believers. God preserves 
believers. Some might call this once saved, always saved, or the, uh, the perseverance of the saints. It's the same exact thing. But God preserves every single person who's truly saved until the very end. Ari's about to turn one, and so she is currently in a walker. Uh, running laps in our house. It is crazy how fast she is. Uh, it's really funny, actually. She's in the walker, and she's running really fast, and now she just, like, glides at the very end. She's like, it's super cool. It's super cool. And so we're trying to teach her how to walk. Like, we got to get her off those training wheels, and we got to teach her, teach her how to walk. And so I did some really academic research on YouTube. And so, you know, they said, well, you know, if you get, like, a, a towel, and then you like, kind of stand her up, and then you get one of those little toys, you know, that she kind of pushes, and you put a towel under her, her armpits, and you kind of, like, hold her like this, you know. And so we've tried that a couple of times. And so, you know, I'm just kind of holding her, and she's walking, and she's, she's, she's trying to stumble, but she doesn't really hit the floor because I'm there uh, to pick her up, or sometimes, like, honestly, she just gets lazy, and she's like, you know, she just kind of just throws herself on, but I'm there, like, holding her this entire time, helping her walk, making sure that she doesn't get too lazy and falls and hits her head and all that stuff, that I'm in trouble with mom, but, but I've been trying to help her this entire time, but I've been holding her up with that towel, and I just think that's a beautiful picture of what God does for us, that God is there behind every single believer. When you get lazy in the faith, it is God's grace that is holding you up. When you want to quit, it is God's grace that is holding you up. When you need strength, it is God's grace that keeps you from stumbling it keeps you from falling. When the enemy is tempting you to be led astray, it is God's grace that keeps you from tripping. It's just a beautiful picture of the love and the grace of God, the preservation of God. And God will continue to do that, believer, until you cross the finish line. That is his promise that God will keep you, that there's nothing that you can do to lose that, to lose your salvation, that God will preserve you to the very end. Let me just show you just a few verses in the Bible. Jude, verse 1, that's how Jude begins this letter. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and what? And kept and kept for Jesus Christ. Believer, you are kept. You are God keeps you. John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of God, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me that Jesus will lose not one that the Father has given to him, but what will he do? But raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will what? And I will raise him up on the last day. John chapter 10, 28 and 29. I give them eternal life, 
and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Not, in, not even yourself. You cannot be snatched out of the Father's hand. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 14 In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, what would happen here at your your conversion? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit in you, believer, has sealed you. And he is the down payment. He is the, the guarantee that you will make it to the very end, that God will preserve you and keep you to the very end because you are sealed with a seal that can never be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 28, 29, and 30. For those whom he foreknew, meaning he loved before, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Listen to this, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So if God has predestined you, and God has effectually called you, and God has justified you, meaning he has declared you not guilty before the Father and, has, and will glorify you one day, It means that you will be kept. This is all of the Father's doing. Notice notice who's doing the work here. And those whom he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. Salvation from the beginning is all of God. All of God. You see, we didn't do anything to earn our salvation. And we can't do anything to lose our salvation either. If, in fact... You are truly in Christ. If, in fact, you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you will persevere. And God will give you the grace to persevere. Now, I want to I point something out in this passage. Here, it says that it is God who keeps you from stumbling. But if you remember in verse 21... It says this, and Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So how do we reconcile that? Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Here says, God keeps you, which is true. Both. Both are true. We persevere in the faith, and God keeps us. And God keeps us how? By giving us the grace to persevere. So even our perseverance and our sanctification and our journey to salvation, our works, our, 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 our perseverance is a grace and a gift given by God. And he keeps us by supplying the grace and the strength we need each and every day to persevere until the very end. So it is both. So he preserves the saints. He preserves believers. But look at the second thing, why we should worship God. He presents the saints. He presents the saints. He says, and to present you 
blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. God not only preserves the saints, but he presents or he will present the saints one day. The word to present can also be translated to stand. And I think the New American Standard Version has a better sense of it. It says this, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory. So one day, God himself will present believers, his bride, the church, to himself. And the only type of people that can stand before the presence of God one day are those who are blameless, are those who are morally righteous, are those without a single fault. In other words, those who are truly in Christ those who have been justified by Christ, those who have received the righteousness of Christ through faith. Psalm 1, verse 5, we covered this this summer, gives us the picture of those who will not stand one day before the Lord. It says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Those who don't know Christ, those who have never submitted to the lordship of Christ, unbelievers will not stand in the judgment. Why? Because they're not blameless. They're not righteous. And it is only the righteousness of Christ upon the person through the work of Christ that is able to allow us to stand before the Father one day blameless. And so believers... This earth is not our home. Believers, there is more that's coming. Believers, one day, God will present himself to himself, the bride, the church. And it's going to be a beautiful day, a beautiful picture. Where finally the bride and the groom come together in worship Revelation chapter 19, six through eight says this. It says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. Worship, praise in heaven one day. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the linen, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The purity of the church, the blamelessness of the church before its savior. What a beautiful picture that is. And notice that it also says that God will present believers blameless before his presence with great joy. Whose joy is that? Is that God's joy? Is that the believer's joy? Whose joy is it? I think it's ultimately God's joy. 
just, just think about this for a second. That God would be so joyful to one day present you, church, blameless before himself. And it doesn't say just any regular joy. It says great joy. Great joy. And so God will rejoice. And so that joy that God himself has, though, doesn't stay within God. We, too, share in that joy. We, too, share in that joyful moment where we will stand before our Savior one day. And so, believer, I encourage you, yes, to look forward to that joyful moment where one day we'll be in the presence, in the glory of God, in a glorified state, no more sin, no more pain, no more hurt, none of that. But man, I pray that you would also live in the moment with that same joy. That same joy that we will experience one day is the same joy that you and I have now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to live joyfully. We can live with that same joy today because of what God has done for us. So why do we worship God? Why is he worthy of our worship? Because of what he's done. He keeps you. He preserves you until the very end. He will one day present you before himself, blameless, spotless, in purity. Before we go on to the second reason why we should worship God, I just, want, I just have this thought. I mean, the, what Jude said here is, it's highly theological, isn't it? I mean, these are some serious doctrines. This is some, this is some theology here that he's teaching us. But as we'll see in just a moment, Jude doesn't stop there. He continues in doxology. He continues in praise. In just a few moments, we'll see that. And so I believe, I truly believe that Theology produces doxology. I believe that high theology produces high doxology, high worship of God. And so whenever we focus on theology, especially here at Restoration Church, we're huge on that, on having right theology, on you yourself being a theologian. I believe everybody's a theologian. It's not for the goal or end, the end, the end goal is not to have a big head. The end goal is not to have a big head with a lot of information, with a lot of theological terms, with a lot of Bible verses, with a lot of arguments, with a lot of theology. We don't need a big head. The goal of theology is doxology. The goal of theology is worship and praise to God. We don't need bigger heads. We need bigger hearts, don't we? Greater adoration, or greater affections for the Lord, greater worship, greater praise for God. And so if we want deep praise, we need to dig into the Bible. If we want true worship, we need to be students of the word because theology produces Great doxology. We don't want to just have a big head full of information, but a heart that's truly transformed 
and being conformed to the image of his son. And so that's what Jude does. He gives us some great theology here, but again, he steps it up a notch, praising God. And so the second point is who God is, his attributes. We are to worship God and God alone for his actions, what he does, what he's doing, what he will do, his actions, but also for who God is, for his attributes. And and this is the ultimate reason why we should worship God. Verse 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Oh, gosh, that is powerful. Gosh, if that doesn't grip your heart, I have no idea what will. I really don't. And again, the New Living Translation says it this way. It begins this verse this way. All glory to him who alone is God. Greater glory, greater praise, greater honor. So who is God? Well, he is the only God. There is no other God. There are no, there no, there's no other true gods. Yes, in our culture, there's a lot of gods, but there's only one true God, and that is the God of the Bible, Yahweh the Lord. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So you see that connection there as well, both Savior and the only God, the only Lord? There's no, there are no other gods. There's only one true God. There are many false gods. There's only one true God. And because he's the only one true God, he alone is worthy of our praise. Only the true God is worthy of our worship. Because he's not only the only God and the true God, but he's Savior as well. He's a Savior. He rescues us from sin and death. And he's the only savior because he's the only God, the only true God. And notice what Jew says. It's a, sometimes we just overlook these things. He says to the only God, our savior. He's getting personal here. Our, it's a term of intimacy, of relationality. Our Believer, what I'm trying to say is that he's your savior. You, you, your savior. He's your God. He lives in you through the power of the spirit. He's your God. He's your savior that loved you enough to send his one and only son to die for you, to give you hope and life and freedom. He's the only God. He's the only Savior, and he's our Savior. And notice this. He, Jude says, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that interesting that he adds that in there? That we should praise God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All praise and worship to God is always done through Jesus. It's always done through Jesus. Let me give you one example. Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says this. It says, through him, through Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Uh, Throughout scripture, uh, scripture sees Jesus as kind of like the middle man when it comes to our worship that we worship God, that we bring glory to God, that we praise God through Christ in the Spirit. He's our middleman there. It's like Jesus taking our worship, our praise, and giving it and delivering it over to God. He's our advocate. He intercedes for us. He's that connection that takes our praise to God. So we worship God through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's another way to pray. We pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit, by his leading and guidance. But Jude doesn't stop there. He just rattles off all of these attributes of God To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory. Glory. This speaks of his great worth. This speaks of his great honor. We worship him because he's glorious. Because he's deserving of all honor because he's worthy of who he is, for who he is and what he's done. He's glorious. He's brilliant. He is light and he shines forth through all of the earth. Be glory, be majesty, meaning that he's greater than all. That's what that term means. Not only is he worthy and he deserves the honor, but he's greater than all. There is none greater than God. There is none greater than our God. He's majestic, he's powerful. He's the alpha and the omega. And I believe that a God who's this great deserves our greatest praise and our greatest worship. Do you agree? Dominion. Dominion speaks of God's sovereign rule and his reign. His reign has no boundaries. There is not one centimeter of this earth There is not one centimeter in all of heaven that God does not reign, where God is not present in his ruling power. Not one. 
He has dominion over all of his creation, all of it. And he upholds it by the word of his power. Authority. This speaks to essentially God being able to do as he pleases and as he wills. Scripture says that God does what he pleases. And who are we to say, God, why'd you do it that way? He's the creator. We're the creation. He has authority to rule however he wishes. If you notice, all of these attributes highlight God's ruling power. All of these attributes highlight God's sovereignty, that he's in control, that he's powerful over every circumstance of our lives. He's powerful over all creation. Then Jude says, before all time and now and forever. This speaks of God's eternality. That God was never created. He just is. It speaks of God's immutability. That the God who was the same, that the God is gonna be the same, that was the same yesterday, today, and will be forever. It's the same God, he doesn't change. He's the eternal God unchanging, eternal God. And so what God was before time, God is in time and will be for all time. He doesn't change. He's eternal. And a God who is glorious, who is majestic and greater than all, a God who has dominion and has no boundaries, a God who's authoritative and has all authority, deserves worship for all time. God is always worthy of our worship, always. Today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, into eternity. If you have a hard time worshiping the Lord now, you might not like heaven because we will be in the presence of God, worshiping him, praising him for all of eternity because he's worthy of our praise. And then Jude drops the mic and he says, amen. Let it be so. This is true. This is true of our God. And he deserves all the praise, all the worship. And so let me remind you, church, that biblical worship is much more than singing. Yes, it involves singing. But biblical worship involves every aspect of our lives. It involves our lips and our lives, our minds, our affections, our will, everything, all that we are was created to worship God. 
we worship God with what we have, everything, our time, our talents, the spiritual gifts that he's given you and I to be used for his glory, for his kingdom. Our treasures, our finances are of a worship to God. Everything we have and, every, and who we are is a worship to God. So I'm going to ask you this question, very similar to what I started this morning. The question is this, what or who currently sits on the throne of your heart? Can you just take some time to reflect this morning? Can you just be real with yourself this morning? What or who is currently sitting on that throne of your heart that needs to be honestly ripped out and replaced with God and God alone? Because of what he's done, because of how he preserves us, because of how he's going to present us, and because of who he is. What or who sits on the throne of your heart? I hope and I pray that it's God and God alone. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to actually end by worshiping God. We haven't sang a song at the very uh, end of a service in a while, and I think this is just the perfect time to do that, to worship God with our lips this morning. Will you close your eyes as I read the doxology again from Jude? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever, amen. God, we worship you, we adore you, we praise you, we exalt you for who you are, for what you've done. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all of our adoration. You are the only God, the true God, our Savior, all-powerful and sovereign, holy and perfect and blameless, merciful and forgiving, gracious and loving. You are our God. And today, this very moment, we dethrone whatever is taking the rightful place upon our hearts. And God, we place you there. And we pray that you would reign supreme, that you would reign uncontested, 
There's no more challenging you to try to remove you from the throne of our hearts. God, may we never make the good things in our life the greatest and ultimate thing. You are the greatest thing. You are the ultimate thing. And God, we worship you today. We thank you. We honor you with everything that we have. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.